Well, ho, ho, hello, and welcome to A Podcast for Christmas. I'm Katie, and I'll be your happy host this holiday season. This episode is going to serve as a quick prologue to set the scene on the genre and why I think it's worth a deep dive. So, cosy on up with your favourite Christmas drink as I take you through a brief history of Hallmark. First of all, I want to quickly define or perhaps even defend my own why behind this podcast. I'm a queer British woman, I have no real business watching this many Hallmark movies. However, I love to lean in towards the popular media that people love and people love to hate. We'll dig down into both and probably end up somewhere in the middle. Women's entertainment has long been historically plagued by cultural denigration. The so-called Hollywood women's film genre was produced through the 1930s to early 60s and reached their peak during World War II. During this time, they earned the pejorative title, The Weepies. Critic Molly Haskell describes these films as, quote, fulfilling a masturbatory need. It is softcore emotional porn for the frustrated housewife. The Weepies are founded on a mott Aristotelian politically conservative aesthetic, whereby women spectators are moved, not by pity and fear, but by self-pity and tears, to accept rather than reject their lot. That there should be such a need and an audience for such an opiate suggests an unholy amount of real misery. End quote. Haskell's description of these early women's films implies that their existence is indicative of negativity and a need to escape from the feminine experience as a whole, something that we may need to look a bit more lightly at when it comes to Hallmark holiday movies. However, if we balance our perspective with a quote by Nancy Myers, director of The Holiday and many other brilliant rom-coms, she says, People dismiss chick flicks because women go to them. It's dismissive of the entire gender and what we might find interesting, and maybe what's in the film is something women relate to. End quote. Of course, these women were not intending their criticisms to be applied to 2023 mass-produced TV holiday movies. However, the debate remains if there's something of value here. A quick plug here to say if you're interested in this premise, but perhaps not sold on the hallmark of it all, I would encourage you to check out my other podcast, Midnight Fun. We sink our teeth into the supernatural romance genre, which my fellow ex-Twihards will know was simultaneously beloved and loathed throughout the early 2000s. Back to Hallmark. Despite the maybe overly sympathetic initial view of these movies, we cannot ignore the difficult cultural space that these films occupy. You only have to compare a map of Republican votes to Hallmark Channel's top viewing destinations for expected yet unsettling correlations. Let's get into it. Hallmark movies, as you may have guessed, have their origin in the cards, which is a pretty interesting story, but not quite what we're looking into here. What we're mostly interested in here is the transition to TV. The Hallmark Channel has its origins in the religious broadcasters, American Christian Television System and Vision Interfaith Satellite Network. Try saying that three times fast. They then merged into the Odyssey Network. Easier to say. (laughs) In 1998, Hallmark Entertainment and the Jim Henson Company, that's right, of Muppets fame, acquired major stakes in the Odyssey Network. The channel gradually phased out its explicitly religious programming in favour of family-orientated films and television series. In 2001, after corporate reorganisation, Odyssey rebranded as the Hallmark Channel, and by the 2010s, the Hallmark Channel had cornered the market on holiday romance, growing each year from 2009 when they introduced their Countdown to Christmas programming event. And then, one of the first big controversies hit. In December 2019, the channel stopped airing advertisements for online wedding registry Zola.com as it included two brides kissing each other. One of the main complainants about this same-sex kiss was One Million Moms, a division of the socially conservative American Family Association, which has been allegedly described as an anti-LGBTQ hate group. 
In response, Hallmark took down the ads. However, there was a quick turnaround. On December 15th, Hallmark reversed its decision and said it would reinstate the advertisements and worked with LGBTQ charity GLAD to create more inclusive programming. Less than one month later, CEO Bill Abbott would resign in this strange coincidence of timing. Enter new CEO Wanya Lucas on a mission to embrace different perspectives other than the straight white Christian Christmas. She says, Representation is one thing, but we're also trying to move from that to a place of cultural authenticity. Throughout the course of Lucas's tenure as CEO, she made real headway. She increased the number of movies starring people of colour, greenlit Hanukkah-themed movies, and introduced the first same-sex cup to the Hallmark Channel. However, Lucas has now exited the Hallmark Channel, and Hallmark Media have failed to disclose the reason behind this. It's yet to be seen whether the programme direction following Lucas's exit will steer away from inclusivity and diversity. Reflecting on the early days of her career at Hallmark, Lucas said, The actual employee base is incredibly diverse. I was actually surprised at that, having been in the media business for a couple of decades. Despite the lack of on-screen representation, queer people have been involved since the very first Hallmark movie. Ready to premiere on Christmas Eve 1951, the Hallmark company partnered with NBC to create the first live opera written for television, and they commissioned openly gay composer Giancarlo Minotti to come up with an idea. Fast forward to today, and openly gay directors like Ron Oliver come back year upon year, for 15 years and counting, to make more Hallmark movies. Oliver works on both Christmas and horror films, and he says, quote, They're similar in that they take place in this heightened emotional state. In the horror movie, you're running for your life, and in the Christmas movie, you're running to the tree. Oliver explains that in both genres, visuals are heightened. Something I'm sure we'll get into when we start calculating just how much Christmas they can cram into every scene, as well as looking at the lead's jobs. Very unlikely that you'll see a Hallmark girl working in an office. Very likely you'll see her as a baker of cupcakes. And this something a little camp about their creation. An anonymous industry source told Bustle, many Hallmark films were birthed by producers sitting in a conference room, spitballing catchy movie titles, and then working backwards to shape a plotline around the title. If they came up with a title they'd like, say, Christmas on the Rocks, for example, they'd send me to surf the web for a family who climbs rocks every Christmas, or a rock star who falls in love with a caroler. It's like writing the punchline before a joke. Certainly not organic, but it got them where they needed to go. Brennan Elliott has starred in 22 Hallmark films and counting, and he says the biggest challenge is the time. You could get a script on Monday and be on a plane on Wednesday, he told Empire magazine. You might get two takes if you're lucky. Other Hallmark actors, like Nikki Deloach, explain that you have to master an almost completely new level of acting. Instead of being angry, she says, you have to lighten it and be frustrated. Hallmark have become synonymous with the Christmas romance, and though they have, under Lucas's leadership, begun to diversify, they'll have to scramble to keep up with streaming giants like Netflix if they're to grab the millennial and Gen Z markets. Over the next few weeks, we'll deep dive into holiday romance across these networks, starting with Great American Family's Angel Falls, Netflix's A Castle for Christmas, and Lifetime's Under the Christmas Tree. Have a suggestion for the first authentically Hallmark movie for this podcast? Get in touch at Pod for Christmas across social media or podcastforchristmas at gmail.com with your suggestions. Happy holidays!